Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Did you know that Dubai's millions of LED lights uses 75% less energy and lasts up to 25 times longer than the traditional light bulb? Our guest today is the Head of Sustainability Operations at Expo 2020 Dubai. She began her career with the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, where she conducted agricultural data collection, maintained budgets, and prepared research papers. She's a lead certified sustainability expert with more than 14 years experience in the public and private sector. She's currently leading the development and implementation of the World Expo Sustainability Event Management Strategy, and her expertise enables her to develop innovative and cost-effective solutions to help Expo 2020 achieve all their sustainability goals. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Dina Mustafa. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Dina, how did your journey with sustainability start? So I'm originally from Iraq. I came from, I was born and bred in Baghdad, Iraq. I came from a war-torn country. Everybody knows the history of Iraq, the rich history, and unfortunately the war history that has happened over the past years. Uh, I left Iraq after being there during the first Gulf War in 1990 and not having clean water, not having electricity, not having enough food during that time and after that time during the embargo was catalyst to make me appreciate what we have and so I moved from that country to the US and in the US I saw the exact opposite I remember going into a McDonald's and looking at the food there and going oh my god what are these portions what's going on here so to move from that to to seeing this abundance and to seeing sometimes not the unappreciation of the abundance made me think about what to do for my future in Iraq I finished my my uh, undergrad in chemical engineering and I was one of the few women lucky enough to graduate with a chemical engineering degree. I worked with the UN FAO, Food and Agricultural Organization. I spoke fluent English, still do, and speak Arabic as well so that helped in my journey but it also exposed me to a lot when I'm working for the Food and Agricultural Organization. I saw poverty, I saw people who uh, who were my countrymen and women who were going through so much. And because the environment was destroyed, because it wasn't just about war, it was about the destruction of an entire infrastructure of a country. So when I got to the US, it, I was like any other immigrant, you know, a few thousand dollars in my pocket, maybe a suitcase and a fold-out couch that was given to me to sleep on. And so that was my life at the beginning. I went back to school. I got my MBA in international business. And I also obtained a master's in sustainability management from Columbia University and started this I won't even say started, continued this journey because I don't think that you need to study sustainability to be aware of it. I think you're aware of it and then you go back and say, I want this to be my profession. I want this to be 
what I want to do. I, there's a higher calling there. But I think just, just like you, it becomes a part of life. It becomes part of what you want to do. It becomes ingrained in your DNA. And then you say, okay, how can I give back? I came to the region about four and a half years ago. I started working as a consultant with Ernst & Young's uh, Climate Change and Sustainability Services. I was a uh, managing projects here in the UAE and across the region in Saudi, in Egypt, all focusing on sustainability and growing sustainability within the region. And I have to say within the last few years that I have been here, four and a half years, five years, it's changed by leaps and bounds. You can see the change. You can see the, the movement from when you come in now in certain areas, there's always an organic section. There's always a recycling bin somewhere. There's, there's this consciousness and this kind of grassroots movement that you see that when I came in years ago I didn't see. I also saw a lot of organizations publishing sustainability reports, being audited when it comes to sustainability and realizing the economic value of sustainability. And so I joined the expo about a year ago, very excited to be working at the expo. It is, I can only say, mind-blowing <laughs> and it moves at a pace that I, as a consultant I love fast pace but this is just amazing it takes it to a whole new level and to see the kind of change that we want to make actually happening is what makes me get up in the morning and go to work and I'd have no problem staying there all day and I know as the expo gets closer to opening its doors those days will become nights and then we'll become more days and so on and so forth and sleeping there and we're talking about sleeping pods today we were laughing about it but I can tell you I think that might happen so that's my motivation my motivation is I saw the paradigm between not having anything and a completely destructed infrastructure no electricity no running water no food um, from a, an environmental and a social perspective and then going to a, a land of abundance and seeing the difference between the two that was the driving force personally for me talking about the expo there's a lot of people that don't really know what the expo is can you maybe quickly just give us a brief of what is expo in general world expos in general were all about connecting people the first world expo was in the 1800s in in london it started in it started as a way of bringing countries together to the central place to showcase their innovations showcase all the different things that the countries have come up with during the past years it was such a success that the building itself which is now the at the heart of london is it became a landmark and they decided to do it every four years have an expo somewhere in the world so the expo was born from that in Dubai this is the first expo that's held in this part of the world and it, the theme of the expo is connecting minds creating the future with three sub-themes uh, sustainability mobility and opportunity those three sub-themes are what drives what we do at the expo and the connecting minds creating the future is not just about the six months of the expo and by the way an expo runs six months it's about what happens after expo and how we can create that impact expo will open its doors in uh, october 20th 2020 and it will close its doors in april 
of 2021. So it's during the winter months. That's also a first first <laughs> for expos. Wow. In the US, they call expos world fairs. Some of the things that were showcased at an expo for the first time, and now it's everyday use, is the ice cream cone. So the ice cream cone was showcased at an expo and was created and used at an expo in the US. The ketchup, everybody uses ketchup, but wow. ketchup was shown at the expo. The x-ray machine was shown at the expo in New York. Um, that was the first showcase. So it's all about innovation and showing something different. The first robot was shown at an expo. The idea of an expo is to bring people together, to showcase what humanity can do and to make humanity better. And to have the opportunity to do that in Dubai is, I think, is, is spectacular. Definitely. I think we're going to get a lot of amazing, amazing things that comes from that. It just makes me so excited to, yeah. to think about that. And I think what uh, Expo 2020 Dubai has created is a different kind of platform. One of the programs that we're running is Expo Live, where we provide grants to or seed money to new innovative ideas that have a social impact. So the condition of granting the money is having a social impact. We've gone through two rounds. We've had some amazing ideas. I can safely say 75% of the ideas that have come through through Expo Live are focused on sustainability. Mm-hmm. So if you have an idea and you've gone through the prototype level and you'd like to come and present to us, you can actually register at Expo Live. Um, it's a very simple process. You log in your information, you bring in your idea, you give a little brief, and then we'll invite you to come in and speak. And this is open for anyone all over the world. And we've had people from South America, from the US, from, well, North America, from, I mean, you name it, uh, Brazil, China, Japan, Nepal. I've never seen so many people and so many different ideas. Some of them make you think, why didn't I think of that? I could have done this. So this is the extra extra thing that Dubai is doing. This is the extra push that Dubai is providing, which is that seed money, because we want to bring innovations. We want to showcase innovations. And sometimes breaking that barrier requires maybe a little bit of seed money, maybe a little bit of push. We provide that for these different teams. And, you know, we've had maybe over seven or 8,000 applicants so far. The Expo 2020 has also set some goals for the site for before, during, and after the Expo. Why was this important? And could you explain a little bit more about the goals? Yes. Um, So let me explain a little bit more about the sustainability goals, (laughs) because that's what I do. The Expo works towards legacy. What we do, everything needs to have a home after. We need to know where everything is going to go after. So, for example, 80% of the buildings that are built right now on site will stay on site as permanent buildings. And these buildings are already allocated for residential, for commercial. There's There'll be a children's museum there. It'll be a whole area that will thrive after the expo. So that's one, one goal from the expo. As part of our sustainability objectives as well, we have KPIs. We have over, over 40 KPIs. If anybody doesn't know what the meaning of KPI is, it's basically a, a fancier word for target. So these targets are set and have been committed to the Bureau of Expos, where we have, where, where we have set that we will commit to achieving these targets. One of the targets is 85% diversion from landfill. That target was set the day we broke ground at the Expo. And that target 
has been met and is being met even now during construction and will continue to be met during time of the expo and when the expo closes its doors we already have a plan of what to do with all the different assets that will be on site uh, on how to dispose of them and work with different NGOs, work with different entities, not just to recycle because it's not just about recycling, but it's about repurposing and reimagining some of these pieces and reusing them in areas where they, they will be needed. And why 80% only of the site? Well, the other 20% are international pavilions that the international participants will then take with them and disassemble and take them home. Wow, so they all come together and or you know bring their own stand and then yes but they have to abide by our sustainability standards so we provide them with a manual saying these are the requirements water efficiency of course air quality biodiversity all of these different kpis that we have we have a very detailed strategy and that strategy is then translated to the different participants we spend on average about 85 to 90% of our time in buildings and the air quality inside is two to five times worse than outside. Is there anything in particular that you and your team are working on to improve the quality inside these buildings? So all of our buildings are LEED certified, LEED Gold certified, and the sustainability pavilion, which we'll talk about uh, later, is platinum certified or will be platinum certified. It's on track. <laughs> the goal behind that is not just it's a certificate that you can hang on the wall or look, our buildings are green and this and that, but they abide by certain international standards. One of them is air quality. It's not just a certificate to hang on the wall. It's not, uh, we, we, we're not doing LEED certification for the sake of showing that we're LEED certified. We're doing it to abide by certain international standards and to ensure that the not just the air quality, but the, the uh, energy efficiency requirements, the waste management requirements are all met according or exceeding international standards. When looking at the Expo 2020, you are looking at using a lot of renewable energy. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that? The way that we've designed the Expo site, and by the way, it's off Lahbab Road in Jabal Ali, just because I didn't mention where that was. Uh, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> Not that, I, that everybody should go there, but you can look it up on a map. And then when we open our doors, everyone's welcome. I think when you look at the site itself and you look at uh, the different renewable energy technologies we're using, before even getting to that point, we're, tr we're trying to build a site that's efficient, that uses passive measures to conserve energy and to conserve water. So the way the site is designed is very important. After that, we look at the different renewable energy aspects of the site. Of course, we have solar, uh, we are looking at wind, we're looking at kinetic energy. Uh, most of it is to be used by the buildings and some of it is for showcase. So because we want our visitors, be it children or adults to interact with us to see what the building is doing to see what the pavilions doing to understand while they're walking by that if they're walking their steps are creating energy for example so there's an interaction between the site itself and between the visitor that's very important to us so it's not just about meeting a number when it comes to renewable energy it's about also transferring that renew that knowledge to our visitors Wow, I'm very excited now. <laughs> 
And also about the whole sustainability, there will be an entire pavilion that is dedicated just to sustainability. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, um, I'm, I'm very honored to be working with a team that is focusing on the sustainability pavilion. Sustainability, as I said, is one of our th sub themes, but the pavilion itself is an absolute gem. It will be lead platinum. Uh, the building itself will stay and live long after Expo closes its doors. The experience that you will gain going through the uh, sustainability pavilion will take you through kind of an emotional journey. What Mama Earth was all about before humans came in, we take you through the industrial revolution and how mankind almost exploited Mama Earth. And then it takes you out to say, look, there's hope. We can work together. We can bring people together and we can tell a different story going forward. And if you go to the Expo website, you'll probably see a lot of information about the sustainability pavilion. And I can I can safely say I can't wait for that pavilion to finish. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I think it's something that's really important for people yes. to realize because I still feel for me working with a lot of people and talking about sustainability, I find that there's a lot of people that's still in this kind of limbo that they don't really realize how bad is pollution in the ocean. They don't realize that, you know, how cigarette butts is almost everywhere. So I feel it's so important to have a space like that and to be able to to not just do the doom and gloom and say how bad we are as humans, but to give that flicker of hope and to say that, you know, together we can do something. So I'm very excited about that pavilion. I can't wait. So unfortunately, it's two more years. <laughs> it's not it's, it's not that far. Trust me. I wish it was just a little bit longer, but we have a hard deadline that we can't miss. One of the one of the things that I find also interesting uh, about the sustainability pavilion is that it doesn't just focus on the environmental aspects of the sustainability, but on the social aspects. So and they're interconnected. We don't realize how interconnected the environmental and social are. I mean, when you look at our first climate change refugees, that's a, there's a social aspect behind that. So there's an interlink between the environmental and the social. And if we don't realize that one affects the other and vice versa, then we're not going to be able to solve um, the problems that we're, we're facing right now. I think as part of what we're trying to showcase also at the Expo is the importance of water. I think we didn't talk about that. We talked about energy. Yeah. We talked about air quality, but we didn't talk about water. And we are a water-stressed st country. And water is, is actually um, more important than oil. And I think that was a saying by uh, Sheikh Mohammed. And it is. It's much more important. So we have an emphasis on water. We also have an emphasis on food security. So we're work working closely with the Ministry of Food Security, with the Ministry of Climate Change, because we know we can't do this alone. So we have our government stakeholders and we have our private sector stakeholders that are bringing in the innovations. And we're saying, okay, let's work together to change these different aspects to make that change from a, a top-down approach, which is a policy approach, but also from a bottom-up approach when it comes to looking at uh, awareness programs. Because if you don't have both of them together, basically it's not going to click. Yeah. So top-down approach, we'll work with our government, non-government stakeholders, our NGOs, our 
global stakeholders, uh, United Nations, and then bottom-up approach. We'll work with the public, we'll work with the students, the youth, to bring that awareness together. When it comes to Ministry of Food Security, for example, we're looking at urban agriculture, the importance of growing your own food and bringing your food source closer to you, which, in truth, the UAE used to do a long time ago. The, the traditions of the UAE is all about having food sources close, having efficient housing, the way the, ha- the old houses are designed with the, with the courtyard in the middle, the different airflow. You can learn a lot from just looking at your history and your past. And I think we're doing that at the expo. Wow, that's wonderful because one one of our previous guests that we talked to was Elena from Greenheart Organics and I love purchasing stuff from her because I know that spinach leaf was on the farm that morning, you exactly, know. Yeah. So so I'm very excited to see that there's going to be more of that because obviously the, the closer your food sources are, the better it is because then, um, you know, you can go more organic food and we don't have to worry about the stuff getting spinach spoiled and then you sit with a lot of food waste so that's that's the other the other issue that that occurs but just back to the point on the water as well I feel it's really important that you know we need to realize because going back to when you're at school you know you get taught that there's so much water And I only discovered like how little water there is actually that's drinkable. And to think that, you know, the more we're polluting water and we don't really realize what we're doing, the less water we're going to have to actually drink. So I think that's wonderful. It's a wonderful initiative that you guys are doing and trying to leading the way. That's that's amazing. And growing your food closer First of all, it reduces the carbon footprint. So you have big impact on climate change when you're reducing your carbon footprint. And then you're reducing your water intake too, especially with the technologies that are coming out right now when it comes to vertical agriculture, when it comes to hydroponics. There's a lot you can do. You can create food sources that are cheap, that are healthy and that are efficient at the same time and that are easily accessible for everybody, not just for a specific group of people. Because I feel... You know, if we think back, obviously the food, there's a lot more food that's being produced, but the nutrients in that food, very little. So you can eat as many of some of those food sources and still not get the nutrients you would have 50 years ago from the same cucumber or same apple. So yeah, that that's amazing. I think, you know, and for me, I always say if there's a country that can lead the way with that, it would be the UAE. Like I feel they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot of research on it they I mean all of the initiatives like what you mentioned in the beginning and Dina what has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth I think the most important decision I I, I can't say there's one but I think the most important one is to not take a plastic bottle or drink from a plastic bottle take a plastic bottle to work or drink from a plastic bottle and I think you kind of lead by example so if you do that in your workplace and you show that hey it's easy then somebody else will do it and so on and so forth and it's simple stuff so it's not an important decision but it's simple things that make a ripple effect and I think that's that's what we need to focus on don't try to change the world one whole piece at a time but try with small things little things and take it one step at a time and don't judge (laughs) sometimes what we do is we look at somebody who's using a water bottle or doing something that we don't like and we look at them funny and that makes people go 
Yeah, I think that's that is something that's very important not to judge. But, Teach but not yeah. to ju- ju- yeah, judge. Like, yeah, like I I sometimes like feel most of the times, yes. you know, I feel like I have to bite my lip. Yes. Most of the people that know me by now, like close friends and family, yes. they typically won't use a straw when I'm around. They yeah. know it really upsets me, but I'm not going to go out of my way and say, exactly. you know, you yeah. are wrong. You're a terrible human being for using yes. it. But, you know, if if I do get the opportunity, like there's been some of my friends that constantly use plastic straws yes. and I didn't say anything. What I just did is I gave them a reusable straw. Absolutely. And That's it. So you taught by example. Exactly. And now, you know, since they've been using the reusable straw, now they've actually seen, they now kind of gone into why they shouldn't use it. And now they've changed, you know. So now it's, they switched that. They switched now to reusable bottles. So it kind of has that ripple effect. But I feel the moment you kind of go very harsh and you judge these people and you're like, why are you doing this? You know, if someone is throwing trash on the floor, most probably I would, you know, say something. That's a different story but, because yeah. that's 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 a um, that's just public etiquette. It's different. Uh, throwing trash on the floor, you go and you say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. That's yeah. a different story. But judging about things people don't necessarily quite know about or quite care about. Mm. Is, is a true. difference to a story. I feel also, you know, as consumers, what I do a lot of the times is when I go to a restaurant and I do see, you know, they they use plastic straws, they use all of these things. Yeah. Like if it's a restaurant I really enjoy and I would like to go back to yes. there, then most probably I would, I normally have these, these letters about the straws that gives a little bit of detail. And I'll just give one to the manager and, you know, just quickly give him a brief explanation or just explains and, sometimes they they don't know and you know but most of the time it's not in their hands so um but then at least I feel like you know what I've kind of told them now about it so I'm fine not having a straw this is exactly what I say I say well I I, thank you but here I can't I don't want to I don't need a straw or if I order food I'll say please don't bring any plastic utensils I don't need them so it's little things but they do make a difference. We're going to move into our final five. So it's just five easy questions. And the first one is, what is one social media account that you follow? Does it have to be related to sustainability? <laughs> no, something that you, like when when you... When I need, when I need a good break from the craziness of running around, there's a really nice group called Grumpy Expats. Seriously, it's hysterical. If it's something to do, I, I do follow Unify. I do follow um, a lot of the uh, UN-focused uh, social media accounts and The Economist. Now, The Economist sometimes is all about, people think it's all about money, but actually some of the articles there will make you think about how you can influence by influencing the economic aspects of an industry. So, because again, we, t- we tend to forget the whole sustainability has three pillars it's uh, economic social and environmental I've had people say well it's four there's cultural as well and so I understand that as well but if we try to read more about how we can influence from an economic perspective uh, then that's a, that's a great thing. So yes, I do read The Economist. I do follow UNEP and um, I do follow the World Food Program, UNHCR. But when I need some fun, it's grumpy expats. 
What is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? My hope is that we wake up. We wake up before it's too late. I think there is a lot of hope that that will happen. And I think there is change in people. I think the fact that we're all connected through social media, through the different websites, through the, the news is not just linear anymore. It's very, very connected. Before, during when I was younger, it's newspapers and TV. And you get your sources, you get your news sources from a limited uh, view now we don't have that limited view so we actually have less excuses not to go out and seek information but we need to wake up and we also need to be kind to each other I think the, the kindness factor sometimes has gone down and we've become very polarized in the way we think so we either think and everybody thinks they're right and I think it's time to just stop and be kind to each other what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? So crazy birds, I would suggest go out and find one nice thing around you and just talk about it. Nice thing when it comes to an event, when it comes to you find a recycling bin in your area, you say, oh my God, I'm so glad that they've Im implemented this. So glad that I find this happening in my community. Just find something positive that has to do with sustainability, that has to do with social responsibility, that has to do with making you smile and talk about it in a positive way. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? Oh, that's a really good one. Couple of them. So if I'm with friends and we all love to eat fish, I would talk about how much microplastics are in the fish. <laughs> That'll make them think. It'll probably make them not want to eat the fish as well. Yeah. Yes, but they're there with their they're friends. Other people who are harder to convince, I would simply talk about my really nice energy bill at Sustainable City and how much money I'm saving and that makes them listen. So it depends on the audience, but there are people uh, you can talk to and you can explain with data that these things are happening. And if you can't explain to them, show them how amazing your savings are and look at the money aspect of it. That usually brings attention to these things. And um, where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Dina Mustafa. It's quite easy straightforward um <laughs> on instagram i'm batman's mom 16. wow that's an interesting fact i did not know i know <laughs> i have many hidden talents and there's so many things you don't know about me <laughs> but yeah no batman's mom 16 on instagram and dina mustafa on linkedin if you want to look at my professional stuff batman's mom has some amazing pictures of my time in new york uh, pictures of home pictures of here and um pictures of my kids cool well we'll definitely link that up in the show notes so um dina thank you so much for being on the podcast we really appreciate it and we are really really looking forward to visit the expo 2020 like when it opens so guys 20 october 2020 mark that day in the calendar because that is expo day and i think it's going to be amazing it will be awesome can't wait to have all of you guys here awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. Take care.
And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at mamaearthtalk.com. Follow at Design by Mariska on Instagram or email hello at mamaearthtalk.com. And let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to talk about. I love hearing from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every Monday with a bonus Top Tip Thursday every Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.